Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, content marketing strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your content better. Oracle Marketing Cloud helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. And by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. Now, here are your hosts from Oracle Marketing Cloud, Chris Moody, and from Uberflip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Welcome to season three of Content Pros. This is a very exciting day uh, at the turn of anything new, a new year, a new beginning, sometimes a fiscal year for some of us. It's a time to also reset and change things. So we're changing a number of things here at Content Pros. Um, you know, some of them I'll let you know are going to be the format. So the way you hear this show um, over the 30 minutes or so that we chat on a weekly basis will be a little bit freshened up. Um, you know, we're going to have some fun with it. Um, and part of that and part of leading that is I've got a great new co-host. So uh, Jeffrey L. Cohen, he goes by Jeff on a day-to-day, um, who works at Oracle Marketing Cloud, is going to be joining me on a weekly basis. We're going to be interviewing a ton of great content leaders, and that's the part that's not changing. Uh, we Over the last two seasons, we've had an amazing selection of thought leaders and also practitioners in content, and I'm very excited um, about the first one joining us this week, Dave Gerhardt, who's coming to us from Drift.com. So we're going to join Dave in a moment. Before we do that, though, we're going to always start every content pros now by talking about a real interesting stat that's going on in the content marketing space. So Jeff, maybe you can give us something that you've dug up over the last week. Thanks, Randy. I'm really excited to be here and especially excited to kick off a new feature we've added to Content Pros where we're going to look at a recent content marketing stat and riff on it just a little bit before we head into our interview. I found a found a stat from BuzzSumo. They actually recently analyzed a million blog posts. And they found that 50% of them, 50% of the content gets eight shares or less. That's an awful lot of content that is just not getting out in front of people. What, what's your response to that, Randy? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question. And it, it, it's shocking to me. I mean, I mean, even if you look, first of all, you got to look at the companies who are creating content. For the most part, the companies that are creating content out there are off the ground. They've got a team usually of eight people. And if you're not leveraging your own team to get your content out there, there's a problem, right? I mean, you know, you look at, at what's happening there in terms of sharing content amongst your team and asking them to, to you know, blast that out. If you're not doing that at the very basic, you're missing out on a great opportunity. Now, you know, I also wonder sometimes Sometimes when I see some of these stats, you know, how are we tracking these stats? Um, you know, it's, it's definitely something that I think we need to look at as different tools come to market. Uh, when you, you know, look at things like I, I personally use Buffer, right? So I use Buffer to share a lot of my content, which as a result doesn't always, you know, show up in the, you know, counter on the add this integration that you may have on your content feed. Um, so we do have to keep 
keep that in mind and some people are using power tools to share content but still you know definitely concerning and you know i'm wondering jeff what what are you guys doing over at oracle to get people to share more of your content because i mean first you have a great audience but you guys have a lot of shares. I mean, we had a guest post on there. I think Yo, my co-founder here, had a guest post. We were amazed at how many shares it got. You know, part of it obviously was great content, but you know, you guys definitely get eyeballs who are willing to share content. Well, in our world, shares actually come from a lot of places. Obviously, we're part of a big organization, and and as you said, if the small team or even the larger team is not sharing your content you're missing a huge opportunity to kind of kickstart that, that content to get out in the world. But as you said, we also have an audience where we're building on, we're building on a long time, long time following of people who are used to reading great content and sharing it. And it's across all the different platforms. So it's, it's not one of, it's not as if we're doing something magical or special. It's just, it's really just making sure we're sharing the content more than once on multiple platforms, leveraging our employees and continuing to put out good content. But I think another problem with this stat is actually the fact that a lot of content that companies are putting out is bad. And if you're creating bad content, you have a real challenge and your employees actually are not going to share bad content. And when I say bad content, I mean things that might be a thinly veiled press release or in a in a world where you're trying to focus on top of funnel content where you're thinking about awareness or you're thinking about attracting eyeballs or or getting people into that first stage at the top of the funnel. If you're talking too much about product, you really are you really are reducing the audience. And what happens is, again, if we, if we think just about <laughs> the eight people at your company that you're going to try and get to share this, if it's so product-focused, they're going to say, there's not really anybody following me who's going to be interested in this. I'm just not going to share it. So I, I think quality of, quality of content is a huge driver for these limited shares as well. Yeah, you got to wonder what what the world would look like if we could just not have written that 50% that's not being shared in the first place. Well, I I know why you chose that that stat today, Jeff, because uh, it was actually in one of the posts that that I read preparing for this show, uh, where we've got Dave joining us. Um, They wrote a great post. I'm sure Dave's going to mention it. So why don't we why don't you bring Dave in now, Jeff? So that was a a great discussion, Randy. And and now we're going to transition into the the main topic of this show, we're going to talk to Dave Gerhardt, and he actually runs growth marketing at drift.com. Great to have you on the show today, Dave. Yeah, thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit about Drift, but then as you do that, let's go right into my first question, which is your whole marketing qualified lead form fill all going away (laughs) sort of approach these days. 
Yeah, sure. So uh, I'll give you a quick a quick second uh, on Drift. Uh, we're based in Boston, and uh, our mission is to to make it easy for any business to uh, talk to their website visitors and customers. We uh, the business was founded by uh, two executives that uh, worked on the product team at HubSpot, David Cancel and Elias Torres, and uh, you know basically uh, built around this whole mission that um, you know customers aren't sold things anymore; they buy, and so uh, we have a suite of tools that make it easy for uh, any business to talk to their customers, uh, whether it's on their website or inside of their app. Well, that that's great. And and actually, I'll ask you this as a formal question now, since I, I previewed it just a second ago. I love the way that you announced publicly and, in fact, told the story that you were going to stop putting your content behind lead forms. <laughs> tell, tell me a little bit about that, about that blog post and that story and, and kind of the ideas behind actually just making your content free and accessible to anybody who wants to consume it. Yeah, for sure. So um, I've been running marketing uh, here at Drift for a couple months. And, uh, you know, every we'd been growing email subscribers and blog traffic and website traffic. And, you know, the way that we had done that was, you know, through kind of traditional B2B marketing, right? We had, you know, gated content and ebooks and downloadable guides and, you know, click here to get this content upgrade to get this additional piece of content. And, uh, that was working. Uh, we were growing our lists. We were growing all of our traffic, um, and and we didn't hear any complaints. Like nothing outside of the normal stuff you get in your inbox uh, every now and then if you're doing B two B marketing. Um, but one day I was uh, on my way to work, and uh, my boss, our CEO David Cancel, called me and he said, uh, just literally out of the blue, like I can't make this up. He called me out of the blue and he said, I want to kill all of the the gated content and all the forms that we've been using. And I was like, uh, is this a joke? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know another way to do things. This is kind of how, this is kind of the playbook that everyone's been running. Um, but then he, you know, I, he kind of went and told this story and, and I really related to it, which is like, we've marketing has kind of lost its, its way a little bit. Um, you know, the, the last probably five to 10 years with marketing technology, you know, it's done amazing things for marketers, right? It's helped transform marketing into like what used to be seen as arts and crafts into now something that's super measurable. And a lot of companies, you know, with good marketing teams say like marketing is our revenue driver. Um, but what, what ended up happening through this world of like, of forms and and AdWords and and Facebook ads and SEM and optimization and landing all that stuff is that you know marketing started treating people like leads uh, instead of people and based on the business that we want to build here at Drift which is to make it easy for any business to talk to their customers and to give customers a way to talk to businesses in a way that they would message their friends right nobody wants to fill out a long form nobody wants to pick up the phone and call and call a sales rep you buy things like the way that we buy things as consumers is we don't like to talk to anybody we want to do all the research figure out all the information on our own and then when we're ready raise our hand and make a decision um, but so many times in marketing like we forget that we're consumers too uh, and what ended up happening is you just you know somebody just becomes Jeff becomes an email address fills out a form gets a call from sales either so sales rep qualifies the lead further or not and you just keep pushing this lead down the funnel um, and now that that certainly works for some businesses right especially you know b2b enterprise um, but the the key thing to, to think about here is that for us 
Um, our product is free. So it starts as a free tier. Our, our b- business model and pricing model is really similar to Slack. And so David's whole point was, why are we putting up so many gates for people when really our only goal, the thing that we want everybody to do is to get into our product and use our product for free. Like if we had no email subscribers, but we hit all of our signup goals for our product, that would be a good thing, right? Who cares about those email addresses if we're able to hit our numbers uh, for signups? And so uh, that, that was basically the, the bigger point was how can we make it super easy to drive people into our product and do it in a way um, that they actually like working with us. So there are a couple points of that that really stand out to me. Obviously, the the big one is treating people like people. I, I'm sure that was a, a big driver behind it. But there's also the idea of what you're doing is essentially you're shortening the funnel. Because if, you're, if your end goal is to get somebody to sign up to use software for free, you are trying to send them basically right to that step. Yeah, it's so, funny. Uh, I actually, uh, one time we had a, a couple months ago, we had our you know, monthly, uh, monthly drift company meeting and David said, hey, can you send me, you know, send me like your slides for marketing? And I sent him this, you know, the classic like couple slides, which is like, here's a chart of our website traffic growth. Here's a chart of our blog traffic growth. Here the, here's a chart of our lead growth, our email subscriber growth. And, you know, he just sent it back to me and he just X'd out the entire slide. And he said, from now on, I just want one slide. I just want website traffic and new signups. And I was like, I mean, if you think about it to me, that's, that's, at least personally, that's a marketer's dream, like to just keep things that simple. And I think, you know, we've gotten in a habit. I go down this rabbit hole sometimes of like, I just, you know, you, we make things harder than they need to be. And, and really our number one goal as a company is to get people in using Drift. And so we want to have a funnel that matches how simple that is. That really is, that really is great because I've, I've been in some situations where I do have one or two very simple metrics that I'm tracking. Well, simple is a bit of an overstatement, but the amount of clarity that that brings to marketing metrics and marketing execution, if, if really what you're interested in is achieving one or two goals. But does Drift have a sales team and how are they dealing with this change of no more MQLs and marketing forms and all yeah. of that sort of stuff? Yeah, so uh, so we have we have uh, an awesome guy named Kevin, and he does sales. He also does a bunch of other things. Like we're an early stage company, and so we don't have a you know a formal. Here's our sales team, um, but he does all of our sales. Uh, he came to us from HubSpot, where he did he did sales over there. Um, but basically, the way that that model works is, you know, instead of MQLs, we have uh, PQLs, so product qualified leads, and this is something that a lot of people have started. Uh, talking about lately, this is something that we're trying to figure out. You know what the right what the right metrics are around PQLs for for our business. But you know the way things work on the on the sales side for us is, you know Kevin has access to all of the product data, usage data, engagement data, and so he's able to look at. Okay, uh, let's say you know we got a thousand signups the last couple of days. Um, who's doing what, and who might be who might be ready for you know me to reach out? Maybe somebody signed up for Drift and immediately imported 100,000 contacts, right? That's probably a business or someone with a, a huge blog or following. Like, that's a better conversation. So he's able to look at stuff like that. Um, but the other thing is, like, we're kind of thinking about uh, inbound and outbound sales differently, right? Like, inbound is 
you see our content, you listen to our podcasts, you read our blog, you come to our website, and you sign up for Drift. That's, that's kind of the traditional part. The, the other part of that is outbound now for us means you know, sales is reaching out to people who are already using our product. That's when that outbound touch happens. So it's, it's warmer than the traditional outbound like of, hey, you downloaded something off of our website, I'm going to call you. So this is really interesting. I mean, it's it's really flipping everything that, you know, Jeff and I probably spend all day long trying to figure out in terms of our funnels, you know, where there's, you know, the concept of a nurture and this long path to conversion and trying to figure out all these different stages. So, you know, as much as, you know, Jeff agreed with you, which, you know, I agree. I mean, it sounds really simple. You know, I'm going to be the tough, difficult guy who comes in and, you know, let's say, you know, as much as Cancel knows his stuff and he's, you know, time and time again, he's come up with great ways to rethink how we approach something. How, what were some of the naysayers taking in terms of this approach? Because, you know, even in terms of how you think about content, now all of your content in theory needs to really lead someone down that path very quickly to more engagement to a conversion to product. Is that correct? Like we, is that your goal now? Is your goal change from, you know, nurture to the point that they want to learn more about content to they want to try my product? Is that, um, is that the new content strategy? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. This is, this is something that, that we're trying to figure out, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll almost push back on you pushing back because I think, I think that's the traditional way to do it, right? That's, that would be the traditional way to look at it. Okay, we threw out all of our forms, so therefore all of our content needs to drive to like a way to get into our product or to you know, create content that is very specific to like our mission and vision um, and almost like create middle of the funnel content uh, to get people to sign up. But I actually think the bigger, there's a kind of a bigger trend and I think that, you know, People like consumers have just become like so tuned out to all of the crap that a lot of marketers do. And, you know, you mentioned that the BuzzSumo stat at the beginning and uh, something like, you know, they looked at a million blog posts and 50% of content gets eight shares or less. I mean, that just that just like to me, that stat just shows how much bad content there is out there and people just aren't interested in it. And I don't think that you get better at it just by stuffing more content in there. Um, but what I do think is there's a huge opportunity for brands to actually create things that people want. Um, and that's not always, oh, I want to read the blog post and I immediately want to sign up for Drift. But this is kind of why we wanted to make everything free. What if we just cast our net as wide as possible and we created as much awareness as possible by giving everything away for free? Um, what impact would that have on our business? And so I think today the results are too early to tell. Um, but you know, six months, 12 months from now, that's the path that we're going. And um, I think that that's the path that like marketing tools, like more people are publishing on Medium, right? Medium's, Medium has more like longer form, more personal stories than, than corporate blogs who traditionally do. You know, Snapchat, like why are people following brands and executives and businesses on Snapchat? I think that's because they want a personal connection and they actually want to see behind the scenes uh, versus a traditional way of doing things. Podcasts, like the one that we're doing right now, has had this huge resurgence. You know, People don't understand that, that podcasts have been around since the early 2000s when the iPod came out. Um, but now, you know, because people can listen to them from anywhere um, and there's an opportunity for more brands to come out and tell their stories, they're, they're really growing. And so we're thinking of it from, from that perspective, which is, you know, 
let's build an amazing brand. And, you know, Slack is one of those companies that we admire because they've, they've taken that approach from day one. Um, granted, they had a bunch of advantages, like namely being the founder was really well-known guy who started Flickr and had a built-in audience. Um, but they've treated, they've treated Slack like, let's build an amazing brand that people love uh, and then do the right and then do the right marketing things and tactics to get people into the product. Very cool. So, and, and I just want to make sure for everyone listening on, on content pros, you know, just to make sure they understand what your stance is. So it's not that you're saying you're not going to allow people to subscribe in any way, because I know, and, and I want to transition to this in a second, I know you guys are sending you know, a lot of email content or emails that link to content, but you know, you're going to go about allowing people to opt in in a different way because for some of us although you know your goal is to drive someone to product at some stage i may look at drift and say you know what this is really cool i'm just not ready for it but i do want to be kept in the loop as things go on so maybe you can discuss how you're still making it possible for people to opt in and as you said earlier raise their hand to say i am ready to learn more yeah for sure so you you, you nailed it um we're we're getting rid of all the gated content and like longer lead forms, but I still want everybody to read a post and then put in their email address uh, because that's the sign to me. Like I do that when I really like some content, not because I'm saying, "Ooh, I like this post. I want to be sold to." I sign up for something because I said, "Oh, I really like this post. I don't want to miss out when these, you know, when these guys publish their next thing." And so we still want to give people the option to do that. And and one of the big drivers behind that was, um, you know, we had a really engaged email list, and we were getting like I get a lot of personal replies to emails that we send out and say, "Hey, I really like the way you guys do email." I hey, I really like your tone. And so that was like a that factored into to keeping you know making sure that email was still a part of this. And so yeah, we still want people to give us their email addresses. Uh, we want them to read a blog post that we wrote and like it enough to join our email address, uh, our email list. But that like that joining that list doesn't then trigger a sales action, right? It triggers, um, it triggers a, like a workflow from me, which is I'll send you over the next couple of weeks, you know, five well thought out emails about things that we want to tell you about drift and it's all content related. Um, but that's not like a, you're not getting, uh, nurtured, you're not getting put into some funnel that like a sales rep is then going to look at and say, oh, you know, Jeff did these four things, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call him. No, we our goal of that is to get you on our email address, uh, email list, get your email address, and then hopefully we do enough good things from a, from a marketing perspective that you want to sign up for Drift. And you're doing awesome stuff. I, I get your email drips. They're, they're a lot of fun. Uh, they literally feel like they were written that morning, but well thought out at the same time in that kind of way. <laughs> that, might uh, be, that might be because most of the time, sometimes they were. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you can, you know, just to transition a bit from where we've been, maybe maybe we can talk a little bit about tone. Because the you know the tone, if you took a look at some of the content that Jeff writes and Jeff's, Jeff's team's is writing at Oracle Marketing Cloud versus the content at Uberflip versus the content at Drift. There, there's a different tone, and and that tone, as I just mentioned, really comes through even in the email. It's very casual. It's it's very much in line with the way you told that story earlier about your interaction with David Cancel on the phone. Um, how did you pick the tone, and how does that you know how, do, how have you decided to to roll with that throughout your content strategy? Yeah. So our, our email tone is something that we've really, you know, thought a lot about, uh, here at Drift, uh, it's actually something, uh, that came from, uh, from, from David himself, uh, you know, basically just 
He's somebody that gets a ton of email, especially from marketing tech vendors. And so it's really interesting to look at things from that lens and see what what stands out uh, in his inbox. And so we, you know, we made the decision early on that we wanted to to send plain text emails because they they stood out, they seemed more casual, um, and especially, you know, they especially stand out in a sea of everyone's inbox is flooded with all of these like highly designed HTML uh, emails from a bunch of marketing vendors. And so we made the decision to send plain text, simple emails. Uh, and the inspiration for for that, one of the people was Noah Kagan. He writes a blog, okdork.com. And all of his emails seem like it's just a friend emailing you that says like, you know, hey, you want to go play golf this weekend or you want to hang out. And so um, we wanted to to emulate that style. And, and, you know, we're all about making it easy for people to talk to each other. And so we didn't want to be another person just kind of blasting out emails. Um, but the actual like writing stuff and writing the tone, uh, that just came from about two years ago, I started a side project that it forced me to write more. I had to write emails every week, uh, a lot of blog posts. It was uh, doing a podcast. And so writing notes around that. And so really, um, my writing started to get better just by writing every single day. And that's where that, that casual kind of tone came from. So Dave, that's a, that's a great story, how you identified the tone that you wanted to pr- portray in the email. But what about how has that idea of tone actually bubbled up to the content you're creating? Because clearly you don't want someone to have a a disconnected experience or a jarring experience when they click on a, a very informal email and then wind up <laughs> at a piece of content that feels very different. Yeah, that's a, that's a good, a good question. Uh, honestly, the answer isn't, it's not going to be that sexy. It's just, we try to write with the same tone, uh, that we would with email as we do on our blog. And really, um, it just comes down to the way that we think about writing. And that is that, um, you can hammer me for grammar all you want. And, uh, you know, I don't have my AP style book out, but, um, you know, our philosophy on writing is that it's better to be understood than it is to be like absolutely perfectly grammatically correct. And so we write, we write to keep things simple and we write to be understood. And so, you know, our biggest, like our mantra for writing is to just write, write like a human. And so we try to apply that to our email and to the content that we're writing uh, on our blog too. So that sounds like a great a great place to put in a, a plug for one of our sponsors, because if you want to take your content marketing efforts even further, you actually have to focus on the stories of your team, your company, and your vision. You can take a tip from host Park Howell on the Business of Story podcast, another Convince and Convert production. With a stellar lineup of storytellers that span across all industries from Hollywood to B2B, their insights can help you take your business content from meh to wow. Tune in at businessofstory.com, which actually transitions me back to my next question, Dave, which is, so you talked about success earlier, and I know it's probably a little early, probably a little early to determine how this, well, well, we won't call it an experiment because it's the way you're moving forward, but how this approach is moving forward. But have you have you gotten a sense of what kinds of content get people to sign up for an email, to sign up for the email newsletter, or what kinds of content get people closer to product, or or kind of what's some early thinking on how that how that's all going? Yeah, the the early stuff that's done really well is just like the 
um, the really tactical, like, hey, we're a startup, we're, figure thing, we're figuring things out as we go, and we're going to blog about them. And so I love that approach uh, in general. And so like, I'm pumped that that's working for us. Last week, uh, we wrote a post about how we made some tweaks to uh, the way that we do email and made them really simple. And that post actually generated more email subscribers than any other single thing that we've done. And so I kind of think of it as two tracks. One of them is really tactical, like how to stuff that's just like, hey, we're honest, we're trying to figure this out, and we're going to write about it. And then the other one is more like thought leadership content that closer aligns to, you know, our vision at Drift. So before we go to our last question, I just one, one quick little follow up on that, which I think a lot of us are probably wondering is, how are you measuring the success of content? Um, because, you know, most of us like Jeff and I, who are doing it the traditional way, perhaps with some gated content thrown in, you know, one of our key metrics may be how many people are signing up from those gated assets to determine the value of that content. In your case, is the sole sole metric, you know, voluntary subscribers, or is, is there some sort of way that you're going to help attribute engagement in that content to those customers that you're landing or people who are going into the freemium model? Yeah. So, uh, our metrics, you know, really our, our sole metric is how many people sign up. Um, but you know, we're looking at, we're, we're looking at things by, you know, source. So it is, it is important for us to see like, okay, we're spending all this time creating content, you know, how many signups are coming, you know, that originated on our blog. Like we can, we can see all of that. But honestly, the, the the couple things that I'm that I'm tracking, you know, to see if this approach really uh, is working is, you know, number one is how much of a referrer to our homepage where people sign up is our blog, and is that growing every month? Um, so that that's an important one. But also, like because we're taking this content and PR heavy uh, approach, you know, from marketing, um, the other things that you know we really want to look at are like the growth of organic traffic and direct traffic. So. Uh, those are like the th- those are the three kind of sources that we're thinking about. But obviously, yeah, it all it all comes down to to you know where people are are signing up to drift. And if people if we spend all this time creating content, but nobody is uh, originating you know from from our blog, for example, then you know it's it, it's probably time to to reevaluate things. But you know, right now, you know, over seventy percent of our of our signups are coming from uh, either direct traffic or organic traffic. Thanks, Dave. That that's pretty interesting how you think about that, and that you're already seeing some of that success. One of the traditions here at Content Pros is to ask our guests a a question about what they wanted to be when they when they grew up, when they were little. What what's the answer? What were you thinking about when you were a kid, and when you looked forward to the adult Dave Gerhardt? What did that look like? Yeah, when I was uh, like five years old, I wanted to be a VP of marketing one day. And uh, <laughs> no, that's completely, <laughs> that is completely false. Uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to be uh, an NBA player. And then I didn't grow past 5'8". And so that didn't really, that didn't really work out for me. But you know, I, I grew up playing sports, uh, played my whole life. And so I always thought that, you know, probably up until college, I thought that I was going to make money by playing sports. Uh, and that is now why I work in marketing at a software company. Interesting that you didn't go the sports journalism route, but we know all journalists ended <laughs> up doing content marketing anyways now. So I guess it would have all been the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm happy to tell that story on a, another time for sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
Cool. Uh, so, so as we wrap up, uh, if, if people have enjoyed listening to this podcast, I also urge them to consider other ways to get amazing content. And one that's being brought to you by my company, Uberflip, is an amazing event this summer, end of August in Toronto called the Uberflip Experience. Uh, Jay Bear, who's behind Convince and Convert, which is behind Content Pros, uh, is going to be one of the keynotes. We've got a great lineup. I urge you to go to uberflip.com experience um, and really consider spending a few days in, in Toronto. It, it is warm in the summer. I assure you it is not a freezing Antarctic location. Um, and, uh, you know, Dave can tell you that being, you know, not too far away in Boston. But, uh, but you know, this has been a, a great kickoff to season three of Content Pros. Uh, we urge you all to subscribe. We've got a lot of great old episodes in season two and season one that are worth listening back on. Uh, you can go to Content Pros Podcast Com. You can find Content Pros on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever you like to get your podcasts. And please do take time to leave us a review. Let us know what's working for you, what problems you have, where we can help. And until then, Jeff is joining me from Oracle Marketing Cloud, Randy here from Uberflip, and Dave, thanks so much for joining us from Drift today. Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts.